This has nothing to do with Mr. Yates identifying as a transgender person. No adult should be in the locker room undressing when there are children. No adult should be in a locker room having inappropriate conversations with young women or young men. Period. The end. Hey, Joyful Warriors, Tiffany Justice here with Moms for Liberty, and we're going to talk about a, a pretty serious case that's going on right now in Pennsylvania in the Gettysburg School District. Today, I am joined by Michelle Smyers. Michelle is a mom for liberty. She's a mom of five, uh, a grandmother of six, and uh, stepped up to run for school board um, in 2021, I believe, uh, for the Gettysburg uh, School District School Board, and is currently serving on that school board. Wally Zimelong is joining us. He is uh, an attorney in uh, Pennsylvania, um, a veteran trial lawyer. But welcome to the podcast. Well, I'm going to start with you. You have been um, kind of taking a stand against some of these woke policies in Pennsylvania school districts for some time. When I was doing some research about you, I saw that in 2012, uh, you represented a student who wore a Mitt Romney t-shirt to school and a teacher accused him of being a member of the KKK because of that. So you've been at this for a while. Wally, we'll start with you here. What's going on in Gettysburg School District that uh, moms and dads across America need to be aware of? What's going on uh, in the school district out in Gettysburg is unfortunately going on in school districts throughout the country. It's woke school district administrators, including principals, including the lawyers that represent them, that are putting the interests of uh, the school district officials before the safety and welfare and well-being of our children. Situation out in Gettysburg was there were some very troubling accusations concerning a tennis, tennis coach. That tennis coach happens to be a transgender person. And he used, he was a biological male, <clears throat> identifies as a female, and decided to use a locker room that was used by uh, young females, adolescent females at the school. And not only did he undress and expose himself in front of these, uh, these young females, but there were very troubling allegations about what he said to them. And I was contacted by Michelle. <clears throat> she brought these concerns to our attention. She, as a school board member, has taken an oath to make sure that uh, the well-being of the students in her school district is paramount. And she was seeking information related to the allegations that she had heard. And quite troubling, she was sandbagged at every approach. They would not let her see the documentation. There apparently was a reprimand that this teacher received, uh, David Yates, goes by Sasha, had received from the school district regarding his conduct. They refused to let her see that. Moreover, they threatened Michelle with personal liability if she saw this documentation. So that's it, it, a, a profound example of school district officials and administrators putting their own interests first rather than the interest of the students. Really concerning. Unfortunately, what's transpiring out in Gettysburg is, is transpiring uh, throughout the country. Uh, I think most people are familiar with what's going on in Loudoun County and some other counties, but very troubling. 
Very troubling. And so, Michelle, here you are sitting on a school board. I was looking back at some articles of when you ran. I'm just going to read a quote that you, uh, when someone said, why are you running? This was your answer. You said, the simple reason that I'm running is that I'm a mom and I care about the kids in this district and ensuring we are graduating kids who have mastered basic life skills from being able to make change without the aid of a cash register to knowing when to use there, there, or there, and knowing our history, including all of the unadulterated, unjust, and uncomfortable facts. And since I pulled one of my children from this district and enrolled him in another in a different school, I understand how things can go horribly wrong and how to fix it. I plan to walk the fine line of providing the best possible education while keeping our taxpayers in mind. Michelle, when you ran for school board, I understand you were very upset about the fact that Pennsylvania schools have been closed, the mandates, the lockdowns. Did you ever imagine you would be walking into this type of a situation? No, absolutely not. I didn't think it was going to be, I knew it was going to be rough, but I didn't think it was going to be like this. So walk us through from the beginning, Michelle. How do you find out about this situation and what are the first thoughts coming into your mind? Um, so I first found out about it um, last fall. Um, one of the board members had talked to me personally about the coach that had been in the locker room. And I was kind of like, this is not acceptable. Um, not because of how the, the coach identifies. It's just Jerry Sandusky was from Pennsylvania. You know, he was showering with children and we know where that led. So I'm sitting here thinking this is, this is not acceptable. Um, and I was assured that it would Can you run over anymore. the facts of what you know to be? Can you run over the facts? So, so just lay, the, so for people that don't know exactly what happened and what has transpired or what has allegedly happened, can you please just run through what what happened allegedly in that locker room? What had what the students have um, have reported had, took place? Um, so the the first incident was um, the coach came into the locker room um, while the girls' tennis team was in the locker room, and he uh, disrobed down into his bra and underwear in front of the girls, and several of them apparently were very upset very, uh, they were uncomfortable. They were uncomfortable that there was an adult in their locker room changing with them. Um, and then uh, apparently on a second occasion, also last fall, um, the coach entered the locker room again. And on the second occasion, um, the coach decided to have a conversation with the girls about their menstrual cycles and what kind of panties they like to wear. Okay, so I just want to stop you for a second. So we're talking about a biological male with in intact biological parts. When you yes. say um, underwear, are you talking about boxers or was this gentleman wearing female panties? It's my understanding that Allegedly. he was wearing female panties, yes. Okay, so he has all of the parts of a man He's a fully grown man and he's in a female locker room with teenage girls and he has disrobed now wearing a bra and, 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 and female panties. That's what I am under. That's yes. That's what I'm being told. Do parents freak out? So what happens at that point? Um, so there was a complaint made to the district 
and there was a reprimand, a written reprimand that was filed. Um, and this is why I had to get the attorney involved because we were told we weren't allowed to see those reprimands. They want me to approve a coach. They want me to, you know, to approve the list of coaches that the human resources office has recommended. Um, I don't know how I could do my job without looking at what's on that reprimand. You know, how serious is this? Because to me, I don't know how much more serious you can get. So I asked to see the reprimand and I was denied. Yeah, I was denied to okay. even see it. And Tiffany, I think what Michelle uh, did uh, uh, underscores um, maybe some of the misconceptions about what's going on here. This has nothing to do with Mr. Yates identifying as a transgender person. No adult should be in the locker room undressing when there are children. No adult should be in a locker room having inappropriate conversations with young women or young men. Period. The end. Okay. So we would have the same concerns if a non-transgender individual, an ordinary person, went in the locker room and engaged in the same conduct as Mr. Yates did. So it's been distorted here that somehow this is attack on Mr. Yates' gender identity. Nothing could be further from the truth. This is about Mr. Yates' conduct, whether he identifies as a transgender person or not. So that's number one. Transgender people do not have special rights. They are held to the same laws that uh, you and I are held by. And we all would help be held accountable if we engage in the same conduct that Mr. Yates is alleged to have engaged in. So that's the first thing that I needed to clarify a, a misconception here. The other is that nothing can be done to Mr. Yates because of Title VII. That is also an outright fallacy. Again, Mr. Yates is held to the same standards as everyone else. What is being investigated here is Mr. Yates's conduct, not Mr. Yates's, not Mr. Yates's gender identity. And you know, Michelle absolutely did the right thing here. She heard allegations from parents and did what a responsible school board member should do, a responsible election official could do, should do. She wanted to conduct a thorough investigation. She wanted to perform her due diligence. And she was told by these school district administrators, no, you can't do it. No, you're going to be sued. They circled the wagon, right? And what's very troubling is, when did these school district administrators, the principal in the school that apparently heard about this, the athletic director, other school board members that knew this, or other school district officials that knew this, what did they know and when did they know it? And why weren't parents told about this? This, this, this uh, individual received a reprimand for his conduct. Were parents notified? And Michelle also brought up another point, and this is part of our investigation. This did happen, unfortunately, in a state where a grave tragedy occurred involving Jerry Sandusky, a coach, a trusted coach, in a locker room. Everyone's familiar with that story. And in the wake of that, Pennsylvania, the Pennsylvania General Assembly passed some very strict laws, good for them. And they're mandatory reporting laws. They require allegations such as involving inappropriate conduct with, with children. They require those to be reported immediately to the district attorney's office. Were these reported to the district attorney's office? Were they the type of things that had to be reported to the district attorney's office? We don't know. 
But apparently what happened here was we asked a simple question. What happened here? What does the reprimand say? And Michelle was denied access at, at every step of the way. She was prevented from doing her job. It's it's very, very troubling. It's very, so, very troubling. The incident itself and then how Michelle was treated is very troubling. Yeah. And, and so this is a pattern that we're seeing happening across the country with board members that are coming on and, and that are elected and they're not being brought up to speed with different situations that have happened in the district so they can make informed decisions. In Clay County, Florida, recently, board members became aware of the fact that they, the uh, district and the school board attorney had filed a motion to dismiss in a case where a little girl tried to commit suicide at school. And, and the parents found out when, when they arrived at the school that she had been put into a, a gender transition program and plan without their consent or knowledge. Uh, these new board members that had been on the board for eight months were told that they didn't, they hadn't been told about the situation in the motions and to dismiss because it wasn't costing anything to, for the district to do that. And so they didn't need to mention that uh, in their executive session for, for legal uh, strategy and had not updated the board members. So here you have people that are elected, uh, that take an oath to uphold the constitution, that are being asked to make decisions that affect their constituents' lives in many, many ways. And yet they're not being given uh, the, the full information. In fact, in this case, Wally and Michelle, and Michelle, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, it, there seemed to be some deliberate obfuscation. Um, it's my understanding that this coach was put on um, under the, the wanted name of Sasha Yates the first time that the employment uh, record went through last year. And now this time the, the given name, David Yates, was used um, on, on the, uh, the HR personnel uh, agenda item that you were being asked to um to uh to to pass right Approved. and so yes. did you feel how did that make you feel did you feel that there was information being withheld from you and 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 then i want to wally put it back to you to talk a little bit more about title seven because i think there are a lot of school board members around the country that are being told oh no no you're going to be held personally mm -hmm. liable or title seven takes precedence here um and, and that's just not the case so michelle i'll let you take it for a minute and then wally if you could discuss title seven a bit so um, last fall, when we received the HR recommendations, um, the coach was actually listed as Sasha. And I don't have any children that play sports. My children are in uh, music, band, theater. Um, my kids, he doesn't, he, he doesn't participate in sports. So I have got to defer to the other board members who, whose children do play sports that and defer that the district has done their due diligence in hiring the best people available. Um, the name on the list was Sasha. Um, after this happened, and I said, we will not rehire this person. Like if that's the what's gonna happen, um, I don't want him back on. The other board members agreed. Um, and then this past spring in March, we were given the list of coaches to approve for spring sports. And I quickly looked over the list. I was in the middle of changing jobs, but I did look at the list and the list said David Yates. And I thought, okay, Sasha's not listed there. Um, situation's been resolved. We can move on. And the district would have gotten away with that, except for um, Coach Yates um, in April, April 12th, as a matter of fact, um, walked into a girl's restroom when there was a softball player in that restroom, a student's restroom, even though the reprimand and he was told specifically 
use um, staff facilities. Um, the coach still so decided to walk in. So I'm going to stop you there in. because I've got the video of the dad. Yep, I've got the video of the dad speaking about uh, that just spoke at your board meeting this past Monday, yes. I believe, uh, talking about his daughter interacting with this with this man in in uh, the female girl's student bathroom. So let's just watch that for one second. I think it's about 90 seconds. My name is Steve Carb. I have a daughter um, who attends Gaysburg Senior High School. She's 16 year old. Um, I would see, I would highly recommend the board not bring Mr. David Yates uh, back as a tennis coach. Not due to hate, such as most, most are portraying this to be. It's due with Mr. Yates' actions. On April the 12th of 2023 at approximately 1.50 in the afternoon, my daughter was in the bathroom across from the gymnasium in the senior high school, going to the restroom before one of her sporting events, uh, which was held at home. While she exited the bathroom stall, she ran into Mr. David Yates uh, in the female bathroom. Um, imagine that, a 16-year-old female running into a full-grown adult in the bathroom of her high school. <clears throat> um, I put my, the custody of my child in, in, in your hands during the day, um, and it's my job as a parent to protect my child. Um, and this administration has not done that. Um, there's no reason that a 16-year-old girl should feel uncomfortable going to the bathroom. She immediately texted her coach, told her what transpired. At that point, the coach and the assistant coach uh, spoke about it. I was informed that evening of such. On the morning of April the 13th, I reported this to Principal Jeremy Lusk at 7.30 in the morning. He seemed very unknowledgeable about this incident whatsoever. He called my daughter to the office. He interviewed her. Her story became the same as what mine was, which is what I was told by her that evening. He said that he would have to speak to the superintendent and the solicitor and that he would get back to me. After a long conversation with Principal Lusk, including another incident which occurred apparently in a girls' locker room with the varsity soccer team, Coach Mr. Yates changed his clothes with the girls in that locker room at that point in time. He acknowledged the incident happened, he reprimanded him, and he said that he would have to make sure that he would go over the guidelines with Mr. Yates one more time and that they would be followed. So you have a situation, Wally, where you have now three times, allegedly, right? Three times where this adult has gone into the private spaces of students um, and parents are very concerned. Does Title VII give uh, this gentleman some special uh, privilege to be able to use uh, female private student spaces that I'm not aware of? Tiffany, it's important to remember this case is not about whether Sasha wants to be known as David or David wants to be known as Sasha. It's about an adult having inappropriate conduct with students in a private locker room about an adult stripping down to his bra and panties, allegedly in front of students and, ma and, and making certain comments about menstrual cycles and other things, allegedly, according to these parents. This is what it's about. Title VII doesn't protect that conduct. The, the reason why Title VII doesn't protect that conduct is that Title VII wouldn't, wouldn't permit that conduct from any other teacher. It is true that uh, Mr. Yates could not be terminated because he identifies as a transgender person. That's because of the Bostock decision. For better or for worse, we're stuck with that decision. And under that Supreme Court decision, the Supreme Court held that a transgender individual's identity 
is uh, considered sex, and you can't discriminate against that transgender individual. There's a certain limited exception for religious institutions. Clearly, someone teaching at a Catholic school could not identify as transgender. That Catholic school or that a reli another religious school could terminate that individual. But here, we're not talking about whether or not uh, Mr. Yates should be rehired because he's a transgender person. We're talking about whether he should be rehired because of his conduct. So this is all about conduct. And it's important for uh, your listeners and any other school district uh, officials or, or board members that might be confused about this to understand that. Conduct is what the issue is here. So uh, yes, you know, Title VII would, if that was the issue, but that's not the issue, uh, protect uh, Mr. Yates as a transgender person. But that does not mean anything he does now is given immunity uh, under the law. So a question for you, Wally, because I think, you know, Michelle and a lot of other board members, you're, she's questioning the conduct of this individual. And now she's being told that because this, because of a, a, a lot of different reasons, perhaps she'll be held personally liable for questioning the employment of this individual. Is that true? Well, I, I, I don't know that she would in this case, because what we're complaining about here is, has nothing to do with uh, Mr. Yates's uh, identity as a transgender person. It relates to his conduct. So there wasn't, that's just a nonsensical statement. Under no circumstances was she ever going to be held personally liable because the facts just don't allow themselves to be personally liable. I mean, I think what we have here is uh, an example of school district officials and school district attorneys that are either agnostic to certain issues or antagonistic to certain issues, that actually want to see this behavior continue, that are okay with its behavior, that want to see, uh, want to see this swept under the rug. And you know, it's important for, if you're a school district official, you're a school district director, you're a school, school board member, reach out to, to different organizations, America First Legal, who I'm working with, who in this case really wouldn't be possible without, is a tremendous resource uh, to folks in that in that situation. If you're being told something and you just want a second opinion, reach out to folks uh, at America First Legal. They have just an unbelievable bench of attorneys, an unbelievable plethora of resources to, to tell you whether or not what you're being told is true or whether you're being told a bunch of malarkey. So Michelle, you see this, you see this, you, you, you come to understand that you have this inappropriate conduct that has happened, and now you're asking for the records, employment records. Um, you wanted to make an informed decision, so you wanted to understand what had taken place in the past, and the district tells you no, they can't show you those records. Is that what they said to you at first? Uh, the solicitor told me that we were not allowed to see that. Is that true, Wally? Not only did I, I, I can't speak for what the solicitor said to Michelle, obviously, but we then made a, a, a formal written demand for those records. And we received a response back from the uh, school district solicitor saying, no, you can't see it. Now, thankfully, I think the pressure that we applied ultimately resulted in, in the school board being able to see this reprimand. A reprimand, by the way, that Mr. Yates has now released to select members of the media. Uh, so to mm -hmm. the extent that there was any confidentiality that this reprimand had, it's completely been obliterated by Mr. Yates's own conduct. So Mr. Yates, to friendly media okay. sources. So Mr. Yates has actually released the reprimand letter that was sent to him by the district. He's actually released that publicly now. That has been what is that's been what's been reported in certain news outlets that uh, that, that have claimed to have received the letter and claimed to know that Mr. Yates has released it. Um, 
no media outlets that I'm familiar with actually have the letter, but uh, I think one of the local newspapers has the letter and, and, and perhaps some others. And, and I'm not sure what he would be so proud of to want to share that. Is there any thought process, Michelle? What do you think the thinking is behind that? I mean, I know I'm asking you to speculate, but my goodness, I would imagine that, you know, being reprimanded for going into a children's space and disrobing uh, wouldn't be high on my list of things to, to use to try to promote myself. My goodness. I can't even imagine what he was thinking that releasing that would do, because I can tell you that um, when I read that reprimand, um, my jaw hit the floor. It was, there weren't just two incidences on there. There were three. And it, well, I'm not even talking about the incident that happened in, in, uh, in April, there were three incidents that were on that one reprimand in September. And the third incident was a parent, another parent complained about an inappropriate conversation that occurred with parents and the coach. The news media does have it. The Gettysburg Times does have it. And they they won't print it. I've asked them, you know, I think they should print it. If they have it, I think they should release the whole thing. I think the bigger question, Tiffany, is why is Mr. Yates selecting who he releases the letter to? Release it to everybody at this point. I think it's troubling just that it's been he's cherry picked who sees this letter, which members of the media sees see the letter. Everybody needs to at this point, everybody deserves to see this letter. Mr. Yates should release this letter to all parents. It should be made public. This is a this is there are very troubling allegations and parents deserve to know what happened here. And the innu- innuendo and the speculation and the accusations release the letter and parents can make a decision as to whether or not uh, Mr. Yates should be retained. So where so does it this go is- from this is this is video now. I'm going to play quickly. This is, I believe, is this your the, the board chair, Michelle, or the superintendent speaking about the fact? I think this is the board chair speaking about the fact that they are now pulling the HR recommendation uh, that you were supposed to be voting on. Is my understanding this past uh, Monday night? Um, they this is this is this gentleman saying that they're pulling this recommendation. So we'll just listen to this for a second. If I could get, please get a motion. Uh, for items 5.1 through 5.3 and just would like to remind the board members that uh, at the beginning of the meeting we did um, make a motion to amend the agenda and and pull Coach H's name from the approval list. Um, I'd like to ask that we pull 5.3, separate that going to have to abstain that. Okay. Um, could I please get a motion to include item 5.1 and 5.2 for a roll call vote? Separate 5.3. We need to, we need to separate 5.3 because the board member needs to abstain from a vote on 5.3 under HR. So, Michelle, you you guys did, in fact, remove that from your agenda. Why don't you tell us a little bit about what, why you think it got to this point that all of this had to happen before you were able to put a pause on moving forward here, and what was that experience like for you? Well, once we found out that um, he had uh, released his own reprimand to the press, 
um, we all just kind of said we need to to stop. We need to stop any further action. And, um, you know, the board has to regroup and and figure out where we go from here. Where do we go from here, Wally? Where does Gettysburg School District go from here? Well, as Michelle indicated, the, old, the, the board still makes needs to make a determination about whether uh, Mr. Yates is going to be uh, retained as a coach. Um, alternatively, we would like to conduct an internal investigation to get to the bottom of this, to make sure this doesn't happen again, to make sure the school district doesn't cover up other troubling allegations of inappropriate conduct between teachers, coaches, and students. It's, I, I cannot believe we're actually here today having this conversation. To think that after everything we've been through over the years, where there have been other institutions that have covered up allegations of inappropriate conduct between adults and, and children and students, that, that in anyone in their right mind in this school district would think this is a good idea to cover up. Right? You have, a, a, especially in Pennsylvania, we, we keep coming back to the, to the Jerry Sandusky scandal, especially in Pennsylvania, how anyone would think this is a good idea. And then it raises the question is, thank God for Michelle. Thank God for Moms for Liberty. Thank God for America First Legal. legal or we would never know about this situation. This, this would not be uh, being made public. Parents wouldn't know. Parents wouldn't be empowered. How many other school districts is this occurring in? How many other cover-ups are happening? Very, very troubling. Yeah, I always say school districts do two things well. They uh, celebrate themselves and they protect themselves. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's much easier to sweep something under the rug and keep it quiet and just keep moving forward. And unfortunately, that means that a lot of times the wants of adults come before the needs of children. Um, so, Michelle, I'm going to salute you. Um, I, You're like one of my heroes, honestly. <laughs> I have no doubt that this has been incredibly difficult for you um, to stand and to raise the alarm and to try to get other people concerned as well. Um, and so, you know, thank you for doing that. How has this impacted you and your family? Um, and how is it impacting some of the other parents in your district? Um, for me personally, this has been hell. Um, I have, I mean, the news, the press has painted me to be someone I'm absolutely not. I'm not a transphobe. I'm not a homophobe. I'm not a Nazi. Um, I'm not a racist. I'm not a bigot. I'm not any of those things. I've never been any of those things. Um, I have no desire to be any of those things. Um, but, you know, it's been stressful. Um, I've not only had to hire Wally and American First legal. Um, I was threatened to be removed from the district's liability insurance. Um, my vehicle was vandalized last week. Um, the, the press has just lied. You know, they've, they've said that I'm this person. The emails that board members have received, um, specifically calling me out and saying that I'm a transphobe, I'm a I'm anti-LBGTQ um, because I'm Moms for Liberty. I am the worst person in the world. Uh, they don't speak for my kid. Um, I think that all comes from a place of fear because I don't necessarily think they understand what Moms for Liberty is for. You know, not only am I 
protecting those girls on the soccer team and speaking for them because nobody's speaking for those children. Nobody. If you go back and watch that school board meeting, there were 30 speakers. Only three or four speakers spoke for any any of those children. Everybody else was, you know, saluting Coach Yates and how wonderful he was. And I'm sitting back saying, well, if he was that wonderful, if he's that so supportive, if he's, you know, he always thinks of the kids first. He didn't think about those kids that were in that locker room before he walked in there and disrobed. He didn't think about what their, uh, what they were going to think. He just assumed that, well, I'm a female now, so this is okay. I would not be okay regardless of whether he's a male, female. No adult should do that. It's it's that simple. Yeah, I have no interest you know, in anyone, to, man yeah. or woman, talking to my children about what kind of underwear they like to wear or their menstrual no, cycle. No, absolutely I, not. I have no, no. interest of, at anyone at school talking to my child about that. No, I mean, I raised two daughters. Um, they, they're, you know, 32 and 33. They didn't like to talk to me about their menstrual cycles when I, and I'm their mother. You know, that it was, I can't imagine if another adult walked in and just casually wanted to have that conversation with my girls. I would have lost my mind. Tiffany, I think you bring up a really good point about Michelle and her care. Michelle and her courage here. Uh, we're in a battle for the heart and soul of the future of our country. And unfortunately, the woke left has put our children on the front lines. And yeah. I think this case shows how important it is to get candidates like Michelle elected to school boards, candidates that are endorsed by Moms for Liberty. Because if it wasn't for someone like Michelle, we would not be here today talking about this critically important case. So for those of you that are listening that wonder, do school board elections matter? They absolutely matter. Absolutely. And Michelle is living proof as to why they matter. And so we're very proud at Moms for Liberty to have endorsed in over 500 races in 2022 for school board, won over 275 of those races, um, with 76% of the candidates being first-time candidates that had never served in elected office or run for office before. So that's very exciting. I served as a school board member, Michelle. Um, I know it is a labor of love. I'll be honest. When I was on school board, there were situations. There were times when something would come up and there would be intense hurt, right? You'd have parents coming, their child was harmed in some way. There was some issue that was happening. And, and I have very few regrets, but there were a couple times when I allowed the district to handle something and to, to problem solve quietly with that family. Um, but now I've realized that it wasn't happening in isolation. None of those situations were happening in isolation. If there was one family that was dealing with an issue, the chances are that there were other families that were dealing with that issue. And I know that it's really hard to be the person that speaks up, Michelle, to be the disruptor because everyone just wants everything to be nice and mm -hmm. good and get along. And we just want to be kind. And of course we want to be kind and inclusive and we want everyone to feel valued in a school. However, the children need to come first and the safety and security and the mental state of the kids needs to be considered. And it's so obvious in this case that an adult is having a very hard time drawing boundaries between themselves and the students. And so I just want to thank both of you, um, Michelle, for having the courage to stand up 
up and have your voice heard. You are a leader in this space. This podcast will go out and our moms across the country are going to hear from you. And I know they're so incredibly proud and you are a leader among us standing up. I know it's not easy to take that stand. And then Wally, um, thank God for America First Legal. Um, honestly, mm-hmm. you guys have come right alongside us in so many places across the United States of America. Um, you know, a lot of our moms don't have the funds to be able to pay for lawyers and public interest law firms have been so incredibly important. And especially America First Legal, because you guys aren't f- afraid to engage on real issues where students are being harmed. It would be so easy to say, well, this is going to be publicly a difficult issue uh, or, or this will be difficult to litigate. But you guys guys are, are so strong. So thank you. Um, thank you for having our backs, honestly, and for creating the space for us to be able to challenge um, a lot of these things that are happening. You're right. Our kids are on the front lines. Um, Wally, I'd love to have you on another time to talk a little bit about some of the other cases that I know you've been involved in. Um, I know there's another case in, in, in Pennsylvania regarding social-emotional learning that you're engaged in. There's another uh, case that you are involved in regarding critical race theory um, and, and did public records requests and got, I think, over 160 pages of teacher training um, regarding critical race theory in Pennsylvania. So you know, we're no stranger to Pennsylvania now. We've got a lot of chapters in Pennsylvania, as Michelle knows. We just held our summit there in Philadelphia. Um, but a lot of bad stuff happening in these Pennsylvania school districts that we really need to shine a light on. So um, closing words for both of you. Uh, Michelle, I'll let you go first. And then Wally, if you could share your information so that people can follow you in America First Legal to get advice. But Michelle, um, what do you want people to know in closing about this situation, about you as an individual and about what you hope for the Gettysburg School District? Um, mostly I want people to know that, you know, I'm not the person that I've been painted to be. That's not me. Um, it's very hurtful. Like I want, I, I want to apologize to my other board members for having to read some of the hate that was really squarely meant for me. Um, it was horrible. It's still coming. Um, but you know, running for school board and sitting there, we have to be absolutely pay attention. And when your district says something, you know, follow up. We have parents that, that, you know, talk to us all the time. They see us at the grocery store. They see us, you know, at at Walmart or something. We have to listen to those parents. Parents need to know you are in charge. You are the, you're it. The school is not in charge. You are in charge. You determine what happens. And, and if you're going to school boards and, and you're going to the administrators and you feel like this is getting swept under the rug, you know, make a big deal out of it. Make a big deal. And, and don't stop. Don't ever stop. Because I, if anybody had told me that my district would try to sweep things under the rug, I would have I been like, oh, no, come on. We're, we're not that bad. No, it's happened. It has happened. And and it's it not only happened, but I I personally think it, there's been a cover up for self-preservation. 
And no, not on my watch, not for one more minute. It's not happening. These children are too important. Yeah, you are elected to serve your constituents, and America is very special. We have local control of the school boards. You're there to to listen to the parents, to be able to hold the district accountable. And you do have a fiduciary duty to the district to keep them in good standing and to help them to be successful and to meet the needs of all students. But you also primarily, you have a, a responsibility to those students and those families, the primary stakeholders in your school district. And so thank you for taking your job so seriously. I know how hard it is. Um, I really do. Um, I feel your pain at, at being labeled in that way. And, and unfortunately, that's just something that we're going to have to push right through. So if you're listening to this and you're worried um, that somehow taking a stand is going to, um, you know, people are going to come after you, they might. Uh, I'm not going to lie, but I promise you, it's not going to get any easier to stand going forward. Uh, it's not like in a year, this is going to get easier. We need everyone to take a stand now. And as Michelle yes. said, speak up and have their voices heard, right? Yes. And, and I'll, I'll tell you, I mean, this whole past week, there were a lot of tears. There were a lot of, you know, I'm not going to back down. I refuse to back down. Um, I listened to, to James Lindsay's, you know, podcast on struggle sessions, I I think on repeat because (laughs) I needed to hear that message. I needed to keep, you know, it needed to be reinforced. The the chapter of moms that we have here in Adams County are awesome. Um, they've all had my back from day one. Um, I, I can't thank those moms enough for knowing that I'm going to do what I need to do. And and they've had my back. They they've been great. So Adams County Wonderful. Thank That's you. Good. And you- yeah, Adams County, Adams County moms for their being Adams County moms. Awesome. Uh, James Lindsay uh, says, how do you survive a struggle session? You just don't quit. Uh, the point of the struggle session is to create external pressure and internal pressure to get you to back down. And Michelle, I know you're facing all of it, but I will pass along to James. I'll make sure to send him this podcast because I know he'll be very flattered and ha- happy uh, that the words that he he's sharing and the thoughts he's sharing are helping you. Wally, in closing, uh, thoughts from you, sir, and then how do people follow you in America First Legal? Yeah, the best way to get in touch with me, you can uh, always email me if you have any questions. It's Wally, W-A-L-L-Y, at zimalonglaw.com. That's Z-I-M-O-L-O-N-G-L-A-W.com. You can follow me on Twitter, at Wally Zimalong. And I would just say that this is what we do. We we fight woke policies and woke uh, politicians day in and day out. And we never back down. And we're, we're ready, willing, and able to stand by anybody that wants to fight for the heart and soul of the future of our country. Wonderful. Wally, Michelle, thank you for joining me today for this podcast. I hope it was helpful to our listeners. As always, you can always reach out to Moms for Liberty. Um, If you're listening to this and you're having an issue that you're dealing with, please reach out to us. on. You can go to the website, momsforliberty.org. Thank you both. I hope you have a wonderful day. And uh, Michelle, um, again, extremely proud to to fight alongside you. Thank you, Tiffany. I appreciate everything National has done.